Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Amen. There are so many other testimonies. Shami shared with us a testimony that his connect group prayed for someone having depression and, and he's now, he's healed. And he's going out and he's doing things, you know, so it's, he put it on our community Facebook page, which is so amazing. So the Lord heals, the Lord delivers. Hallelujah. Amen. Folks, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a real blessing for us to have people in this house that can come and, and deliver passionate messages that, are, that, that, that draw the word of God out. You know, we've got a great bunch of, of, of just younger leaders that are coming up that are just so on fire. Hallelujah. Now, next week, we're going to have Captain Eric. He's going to share with us about what it means to be out there in schools doing the work in schools. That testimony that we played is one of our staff that works in one of our childcare centers, right, Sherry. So that's the reason we've shared that as well. Um, then the following week, we've got Pastor Keith Vitha from Transit, who's going to come and share with us about the work that they are doing with the homeless that we partner with, right? And the fourth week, we are doing what is, what is called uh, four by seven. So meaning we're going to get four different individuals who are going to come up like a relay, like a baton, with seven minutes each. They're going to come up, or eight minutes each. They're going to come up and they're going to speak. They're going to share on evangelism as well, right? So we're really excited. So how about putting our hands together and let's welcome Rachel as she comes and ministers to us. Thanks, Pastor Larry. So lovely to be with everyone today. Um, hey, before I start, can we just pray for Pastor Kev quickly? Oh, let's just you. pray. Um, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you are a healer, that you are always our healer, that you have not changed right now. We just speak healing over Kev's body. We break off this migraine in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the work that you've, you have um, set aside for him to be doing in the community, Lord God. We pray for no more distractions. We pray for um, no more annoyances in Jesus' name, Lord God, that you restore him to full health right now, even as we come into agreement and even as we pray. Amen. Okay. Um, so I'd like to start um, with what the Holy Spirit's been doing in my life probably over the past few couple of years or probably over COVID. Um, and I've, I was really blessed by, we had particular Zoom calls throughout throughout that time to stay connected. So we had, um, we were praying together and we had the CPR and even um, Charlotte Jane had done some, um, she, she would run fire starters and different ones would minister there. Um, and so... As that was happening, one of the prayers that was really coming out was, Holy Spirit, we pray for your fire. Holy Spirit, come like a flood. And, um, and so I was praying that along with everyone else, really genuinely asking the Holy Spirit to move. And then this one day I was in Coles and I was in the cereal aisle. I was walking down the cereal aisle and I saw this mum with her little girl. And this little girl had, um, she was cross-eyed. There was some issue with her eyes and I almost started just bawling my eyes out on the spot and I was like, what is going on? I've seen kids before who've had, who has this, you know, condition. And, um, and, and then I, I was like, oh, um, I just felt like I wanted to just run over and put my hand on her head and be like, healing in Jesus' name, eyes come into alignment in Jesus' name. And this is going on. And I was like, oh, but no one else is here to pray with me. And it's, it's just me. And and her mum will be like, what are you doing? And so my mind was throwing up all of these reasons. And so I went home very confused, but also 
I sort of grieved that I felt as if, which I had, I'd worked against the Holy Spirit. And I went, okay, something's not right here. Um, and so uh, Charlotte, Jane and I, we pray sometimes on the phone. And so I called her maybe a week later or whatever. And I just said, hey, you won't believe what happened in Coles the other day. She's like, yeah, what happened? And so I relayed the story to her. And I said, but, you know, I held back because no one else was with me and Jesus would always send people out on mission in twos and it was just me. And she went, what about all of the healings that Jesus did on the way when he was preaching the gospel? And I was like, oh, no, that is true. And then um, she was like, what about the story of Philip with the Ethiopian? He was by himself. And I was like, yeah, that is also true. And so I went back and I read this story and I'd like to share it now. Um, if you do have your Bibles or your phones, in, in my case, um, please turn to Acts, verse 26. And I'm just going to read to 31, but read the whole passage if you can at home. It's a good passage. And this is our sort of, I suppose you would say, our theological foundation for prophetic evangelism. So it's a good one to keep up your sleeve. Um, now, an angel of the Lord came to Philip go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian, an important official in charge of the treasury of the Candake. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah, the prophet, and he said, do you understand what you are reading? How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And so as I read this, I was like, wow, this is pretty specific. The Holy Spirit is telling him specifically, go and stand over there. Um, and so I think that was sort of what the Holy Spirit was trying to do in the cereal aisle while I was in Coles. And I went, okay, this is scriptural that's fine. And so then I repented and I said, Holy Spirit, use me however you want to use me. I don't want social conventions to get in the way of what you want to do because you are Lord of every space. Um, and it is always appropriate to pray and see someone released from suffering, irrespective of um, the social, social conventions of that situation. So after I'd repented, um, I just started to pray. And um, Romeo and I, we pray together in the evening, which is such a blessing. And he'd been praying and he said, I feel like there's this local coin laundry where the Lord wants you to do ministry and he'll give you a certain time of day. It'll be really specific and just go with it. So I was like, okay. So I went back and I prayed and I felt, and I had some washing to, to dry. And so I went back and I felt the Lord say, go into this coin laundry, but don't come out until one o'clock. So like, all right, one o'clock. And he was like, on the button, you can't be, you can't be too early. It has to be one o'clock. So I sat in this coin laundry for half an hour longer than I needed to. Um, and on the way, when I was going there, I felt the Lord just showing me a lady with a smoking addiction. So I was like, okay. So I was just sort of waiting for it, speaking in tongues. And um, so, and I came out of the laundry at one o'clock. And right at that moment, this lady sat down on a bench. And she goes, oh, it's so bad. Oh, I've been smoking since I was 16. I should stop and now I'm old. And, um, and so I looked at her and I said, oh, it is actually so hard. My, um, 
my auntie, she smoked for many years. The first few cigarettes, it's your choice and then you get trapped. But hey, can I pray for you? I believe that God wants to heal you from this addiction. She, and she was like, oh yes, please pray for me and pray for my kidneys and my lungs and my liver. And she had this list of things she wanted prayer for, um, which I was like, praise God. Um, and so we sat, I put my washing down, we sat and we prayed and we prayed for the addiction to go. We prayed for her organs to be healed in Jesus' name. Um, and so it really just started to encourage my spirit that the Holy Spirit wants to do this with all of us. The Holy Spirit is wild. Um, one of the friends that I studied with, he told, this is like 10 years ago, um, one of their mates, they were at a connect group and this guy had just been baptised in the Holy Spirit and instantly when he received tongues, he walked out of the house where he'd been baptised and he walked down the street and his friends are like, what is he doing? And then he walked into this, this is in Springvale, he walked into this other, other house, literally into a house that was actually a drug den and, he, and that drug den was shut down because it was discovered through this guy. The Holy Spirit is wild. Let's not forget that. Let's not grow over familiar with who Jesus is and what he wants to do through each and every one of us. Um, and so there was nothing special about this guy that got baptised in the Holy Spirit, but who knows, the Holy Spirit is amazing. Let's just honour the Holy Spirit and he wants to be a part of your day. He wants to be a part of each rhythm of your day. He wants to be a part of all of the ordinary parts, all of the ordinary bits, and he wants to see you be transforming the people around you. Um, so there was this other day when Romeo and I, we went to, we, we've got this favourite park in Alinda, which thanks to Rach DeMonte for the introduction to the park in Alinda. And so we took Miri there, it's our favourite park. And there was this lady there with her little girl and um, Miri and this little girl just started to play and <clears throat> I just, we just started chatting. And um, she'd had a pretty rough time through COVID and She'd been really struggling and her and her husband had been trying for a baby and it wasn't happening and um, she'd had a miscarriage. And so I was like, that, that's really hard. Can I pray for you? I, I really believe that, you know, God can heal. She's like, yeah, you can pray for me. And my mother-in-law, she prays for me all the time. She's a Christian and that's how I have this daughter right here is because she invited all of her church friends to come over and to pray for this baby and, and and so I just, please pray for me. So I prayed for her and she's like, I feel so loved, thank you. And then Romeo came over and he prayed for her as well. And we talking about it afterwards, he's like, if you hadn't have prayed for her, I would have prayed for her. So, which is such a blessing that we could do it together. And, um, and, and then after I was praying for her, she's like, I just have so much respect for my mother-in-law. She gets so bagged by the kids, by her all, all her kids. They, they, they don't like this Christianity that she has, but I think it's amazing. And, um, and she started just sort of asking questions about Jesus. And, um, and it got to the point in the conversation where we talked about where she goes, I feel like God is like reaching out to me wherever I go people talk to me about God. I feel like there's some like medium spirit through other people um, because she had no idea what was going on. And she said, the other day, um, I got this um, leaflet in my letterbox that was saying, if you want to know God, call this number. And none of my other neighbours got it. So she was really freaked out. <laughs> so this poor lady. Um, and then she said, I come from a line of mediums. So... 
um, all through her generational line, I think it was on her mother's side, they were all mediums. And so she thought, oh, there's some medium spirit reaching out to me. And I said, hey, do you know it's the spirit of Jesus that's reaching out to you? She's like, oh, I don't think I've heard that part of the gospel. I was like, okay. So we backtracked. She knew that Jesus had come and been born and showed us a new way to live, that he lived on earth, that he died and that he rose again. And I said, and after he rose again, um, he, he poured out his spirit and his spirit is still here and it's moving. And that is who is reaching out to you is the spirit of Jesus. And, um, and so we talked about the difference of power um, and where the power was coming from. It's like, it's coming from God. God wants to transform you and he wants to transform your family. Um, and so we even... So it was just, it was amazing that the Lord had Romeo and I there. We were there because it was our favourite park. We had no good intentions whatsoever. Um, but the Holy Spirit is like, hey, I'm going to change a generational line today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead someone out of darkness today because that is who He is. That is who God is. So, as, so if you're taking your kids to the park or you're going to the grocery store, before you go, sit in the car park for one minute and say, Holy Spirit, use me today. Here I am. I'm at LD and I'm excited. Um, <laughs> um, how much time do I have? I've... No, I've... <laughs> Five minutes, all right. Um, cool. So there was this other day when I was driving back from a friend's house and I'd got to... The Lord was like, stop at Casey Central and um, you need to grab lunch, grab a burger. So I was like, okay. So I went, I got this burger and I started talking to the girl next to me. I didn't know why I was there. It was one of those times where the Holy Spirit had just given me the place to be, but no inclination of what was happening. And this girl, she was getting, picking up her lunch before she headed home. She was probably about 15 or 16. So we started to talk and I was like, oh, so do you live far? She said, no, I'm not far. I can just walk. I said, oh, that's cool. But, you know, you're at the age where you'll be able to get your licence soon. That's amazing. And she said, no, I, I'm really scared of cars. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Has there been, have you been in an accident? Has something happened? And she said, no, I don't know why I'm scared, but I'm just really fearful of cars and I can't get into them and to, to drive. And I went, wow, that's really hard. I'm sorry. Can I pray for you? I think that the Lord really wants to remove that fear from you. And she was like, yeah, please pray for me. So I prayed for her. And it was a very simple prayer because this, this kid hadn't really heard the gospel. So I just said, Father, I thank you that you love this girl. I thank you that your favour is upon her and just remove the fear from her, from her right now in Jesus' name. And she just started to cry. And she said, I don't know why I'm crying, but I just feel peace. And I said, you know, that's the Holy Spirit saying hello to you because, like, how do I explain God's presence? So, um, and and he's, he's a good father and he wants to remove that fear forever. And so we talked about that and I said how I was a Christian and how if she wanted to, she could make Jesus king and that fear would never bother her again. Um, at this point, she was like, look, I have so much respect for Christians. It's It's not for me, like I'm not... I'm not there. And I was like, that's fine. But we, I planted a seed. Um, so yeah, I suppose this is something I feel like the Lord is, that people are already doing. And I feel like this is something that the Lord is wanting to restore to us corporately. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I, I'm really excited to see, I'm really excited to see what the Lord will continue to do through each and every person here, because um, there is, there is nothing, 
there is nothing special or unique about the people that, that he uses. It's just that he's created you, he's placed you in a space and he, he will be the one to bring the fire. If, you're, if, you are, if you are committed and faithful to the spaces where the Lord has, has placed you, he will bring that fire. Um, and so now I'd just like to hand over to Pastor Larry who has been such a great example for our community in this. So please give him a big clap. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Thanks, thanks, Rachel. Uh, Rachel's going to be coming up at the end anyways as well. So uh, we'll give you some time to sit and kind of get your breath back, huh? I know being, I mean, I shouldn't say I know being pregnant, like as if I have. <laughs> shouldn't be saying that at all. Um, some years ago, I came across a book called Just Walk Across the Room by um, Bill Hybels. And in it, when you read that, in it, he talks about us when we first become believers, what happens? Ask yourself, you share that with your unbelieving friends. Am I right? And then what happens? They either reject you or they get past the annoyance and they actually come to know the Lord. And it, and it gets very uh, exciting. I know when I, when I accepted the Lord, um, my, my school, the school that I was in, or the school that I used to attend, we shared with some of my close friends, we, a few of us, just so happened that we were a bunch of really best buddies. We, we all came to, to know the Lord. And a huge cohort of our friends became, be, became believers. And so we'd go door-to-door knocking and do street evangelism and all of that because to us at that time, Jesus was coming in 1988, right? So this was a serious thing because that's what we were being fed. That's what we were, we were being told. And so we went all out. Um, so we were gung-ho, but we lacked wisdom. We had passion, but no wisdom at all. So we, we definitely hurt a lot of people, you know, through all of that. But one thing I, I really felt and believed when I read Acts was this, if you remain faithful, you and your household shall be saved. So I, I really had the privilege of leading my mom to the Lord, my sister that was in Sri Lanka, to the Lord, and my entire family to the Lord. And it, and it began to spread even amongst our families as well, right? So, so it was, it was and, and, and still is a, a joy as you consider that. But one challenge took place, and, and I think it happens to a lot of us, is that in becoming a believer, what we then do instead of facing outward like that to the world, right? I shouldn't show my back to you guys, but... But, you know, you're, you're f- so you, you, you receive the Lord and then you still look at the world and you begin to minister as what Rachel has been sharing. But what happens over time is that, uh, Ross, can you come forward, please? Uh, and, and Malcolm as well, maybe you, you two come. Just stand here and face like a, like a circle, face out there. Face, and stand over here and face out there like that. Okay. So now, this is, this, is what we, this is what we do. We're facing the world and we're talking to them. Then as we become believers, what happens? We begin to fellowship. So when we fellowship, let's turn to one another. We turn. No, turn. Yeah. Maybe form a circle. Yeah, I think. That, that'll be easier. So you form a circle. Thank you. Thank you. So we, we turn. We slowly, slowly, slowly turn. And then what, what does the circle become? It becomes insular. It becomes closed. We're not open to the world anymore. We're open to one another. 
And then what happens? We offend him, he offends me, we offend one another. And so in church, what happens? We have division. We have offense. Because what we've forgotten to do is this. Remain outside and walk across the room and continue to reach. Because we get too busy here minding one another's business, getting into one another's lives, right? So thank you. So the circle becomes closed. It happens to all of us. And because we begin to challenge one another biblically, and which must, there must be that robust relationship. I'm not saying we don't fellowship, we don't, but where has it moved to? And so we are hoping and believing that this will happen. There are a group in our church that are just so on fire for evangelism. That will go on walks and they share. They, I mean, they just come and share testimonies. We used to have the, the empowered evangelists that used to meet down here. And so we'd go to Fountain Gates. We'd all meet, we'd pray, and then we'll ask the Lord, okay, give us something. So some will have, oh, I see a green color. I see someone on a wheelchair. I see someone on this. I see someone on that or something. So then we go there, we wait, and then we say, okay, we spot that person with a green top. Let's go and chat with that person. Or that person that is on a wheelchair, let's go and maybe connect with that person. So I want to use this word this, this, this morning, and it is, it is this, being a missional community. So I just want to provide some construct this morning, if you, if you wouldn't mind me sharing that. And, and as we were thinking, we've been planning this for a few weeks. So I began to become very conscious now, more conscious of people, more conscious of the need, you know, to be, to, to be kind of connecting without feeling that I need to be an evangelist. And, and I remember someone asked me when I said I wanted to plant a church, are you an evangelist? I said, oh, shit. oh dear, no way. I'm not an evangelist. I said, oh, shivers, I'm not an evangelist. Now what happens? So I, I decided not to church plant for a few years because I'm not an evangelist in the mindset, in the paradigm that I, I've thought of, of being an evangelist. But I love to evangelize, right? And, <clears throat> and, and so as I began to become more conscious. So what happened was one of our Tuesday evenings at Hassa re recently, uh, I was told that there were a bunch of uh, Afghan kids that were coming and they were creating a ruckus there, throwing stuff and all of that. So Anguk was sharing that with me. And so when I went, I just wanted to see what it was like to some extent. So I went and then Anguk was sharing and saying that, oh, these are the guys. And then he went and told them, you got to leave, you got to leave, you got to leave. And in my mindset, I'm thinking now, they're coming here. Okay, we have duty of care for all these kids because the parents are complaining. So I walked up to one. I walked up to them and, and as I was talking, we were just talking about soccer, just connecting, finding what was the common ground. So don't, because these guys play for MPL and stuff like that. And then I saw a guy's finger so I, said, I asked him, I said, so, you know, what happened? Oh, I, I broke my finger. And so the first thing that came to my mind was, because I'm conscious of all of this, was pray for him. Ask him. So he's, of a, he's definitely of a Muslim faith. So I said, can I pray for you? 
And he said, no, 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 that's, that's okay. I said, no, no, let me, let me pray for you. And he said, no. And then I'm thinking, why is it that when I ask, they say no? And then I hear Rachel share the testimony, Shami, CJ, all these different ones. They say, oh, and they say, yes, pray for me. They are crying. Why is it that when I'm asking, the guy says no? So what is wrong with me? Did I not fast enough? Did I not worship that day? Did I not this? Did I not that? And I'm the senior pastor. So, so what do I do? And I kid you not, I was really discouraged. I said, why did I get that? You know, why didn't it happen? Now, there have been other times that I've asked and, and it has happened. But, but there are times where we feel this rejection. So how do you still continue to walk across the room? Right? This is... This is important. So there are four. This is a missional construct, right? We need to overhear, meaning I need to hear. So these guys are all about soccer. So I begin to listen to them. What are they about? Why are they coming there and creating a ruckus? Because in the challenge is an opportunity. Say it with me. In the challenge, there is an opportunity. What is the opportunity that we see? And that's the walking across. That is the step of faith. Then comes the translating. So what do I translate? After I overhear, I then translate the gospel to them in the language that they are accustomed to. Culture changes. The church is yet to know the extent of the change of the culture. Right? Then... I connect with them. I build this friendship. And after I build this friendship with them, because part of my friendship is to disciple. Jesus said, don't just bring converts, but disciple. Right? And then comes the next thing, which is empower. Or a term, uh, 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 a marine term, which is unmoor. U-N-M-O-O-R, meaning to remove obstacles. Right from it, so we empower the person. As we heard Rachel share with the stories, as she shared those stories, what is it doing to you? As I'm listening to her, I'm getting. I want to go and stand in front of a laundry now, <laughs> but I may not need to stand in front of the laundry. The principle is not that now I go and stand in front of laundries. The principle is what am I hearing God say? And I know you know that, but sometimes we get stuck in some of these. Um, uh, this, this, this particular formula, right? We're looking for these, for these formulas. So, so in my consciousness of now people and looking for opportunities, looking for opportunities, right? How many of you have recently received phone calls saying that your Amazon Prime is $99 now when it's supposed to be $75? And you need to die, uh, Press one for this or that. And also, how many of you have received phone calls that your NBN now is going to be disconnected in the next few hours? How many here? Come on. Okay, so how many of you here have done what I did? Press one to speak to the person. Oh, my goodness me. All you guys are so smart. <laughs> I'm the only stupid person. So I did the first time, Amazon Prime. <laughs> Wait, let me, let me tell you what happened. The first time. So this guy said, I'm a senior consultant, not senior consultant, senior executive from Apple. I'm thinking, wow, 
he's calling me. I must be so important. So, and I was busy. So I took this call, so my mind is in busy mode. So the filters are not very clear. I'm actually, I, I don't think I'm that gullible, but anyway, I took it. Then I went. And he continued to talk to me, and he says that, you know, uh, Amazon Prime and blah, 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 and he began to share, and he was speaking with, his, with, his, uh, with an accent that was a little difficult for me to understand. So, and then he was starting to get quite aggressive with me. So then I said, my sister didn't put up her hands, actually. She too <laughs> fell into that too. So that's okay, Yvonne. I won't let them, I won't let them know that you did it too. So I, may, maybe it's a family thing, you know. <laughs> so so uh, then he started speaking aggressive. I said, I said, is this how you speak to your customers? Then, then he said, uh, then he continued to, so I said, then he asked me for all some details. So I, so I said, you mean just for my Amazon, you want all of, my de all of these details? So he said, okay, now I'm going to download, you, you need to download this app. And so I downloaded that app. And then I started to fill, I started to fill in particular aspects. And I said, do you seriously need this? And then he said, no, come on, what do you think I'm doing then? You know, I'm, I'm a senior consultant. I'm a senior executive or something like that, right? And then I said, can, can you hang on a second? Thank God my son, Ryan. I was looking for Sean, who's way more, I mean, he's, he's, he's in, that, in that kind of zone, in that field. So he's very conscious of this. So I said, Ryan, can you I put him on speakerphone? So Ryan was asking him, and Ryan went aggressive. And then he said, and the first question was this, are you trying to scam my dad? <laughs> and I'm, I'm listening to him, I'm thinking, oh, wow. Okay, I'll let you go with it. And that guy got angry. Said, what do you think, I'm a scammer? What do you think, I'm this, I'm that? I'm a senior person, blah, 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 blah. And then after a while, we got so fed up, we just, we just hung up. And, and then... Then my son was, Dad, you can't be doing this. You can't give all your details. I said, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But, you know, that sort of a thing. But you get, you get caught up in, in this, right? So the second time, which was two days ago, I was ready. <laughs> so I said, okay, because I was rehearsing this. So this time it was NBN. And then I pressed because I was saying, okay, this is what's going to happen now. This was going to be my question. Do you know Jesus? <laughs> that was going to be what it was, right? So I, I said, no, 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 give me a moment. Let me explain Jesus to you. Because then I will know whether the guy's a real scammer or not. And he hung up. So, so I knew this was bit. But the seed was sown. The name Jesus can be mentioned, right? So, folks, you get a scam call, send Jesus to them, okay? He, let him walk across the room for you. But I kid you not, the first time, man, I was, after that, I freaked out. I said, oh, gosh, they could have wiped out my bank account. They could have done this. They could have done that. You know, whatever it is, you know? So, so when you walk across the room, be wise, the fact that you all have had this and only a couple of us decided to walk across the room, that's, that's good on you guys, you know? Praise God. So mo moving on to this construct right now, change. We are confronted with this, right? 
the current tension is this. People are beginning to view reality. In all of what we're doing, we're beginning to ask the question, is this norm now? Are we back to normal, right? That they have developed a certain paradigm through the pandemic that, that, that form their approach. With Ukraine and Russia, it's forming our approach. We need to talk to our kids about this war. World War III, this war, this issue that's happening, right? We need to. So what is a paradigm? It's an inherent set of values that guides our interpretation of reality. These values may or may not be explicitly understood by those who hold them. So we hold particular paradigms. Oh, I don't do this form of evangelism, prophetic evangelism. Oh, that is not God. So we hold certain paradigms. And our paradigms will, will inhibit us from doing what God is saying to do. This four weeks, we want God to break those paradigms, the religious mindsets that we have been brought up with. That he wants us to walk across, right? Walk across the room. So this is a computer term, defrag. So what is defrag? Defrag is this. It's defragmentation. It's also known, which is known as defrag or defragging. Is the process of recognizing the data that is stored on the hard drive in our minds so that related pieces of data are put back together all lined up in a continuous fashion. This is what is happening. This four weeks is going to be a time frame of defragging the data that you and I, the paradigms that you and I have. So you will hear stories like this. So in order for your hard drive to be defragged, we also got to go out and to make sure that we get new data. So when you walk across the room, what happens is this, that we've been given this. This is what I got when I came to know the Lord. This is what I received. I received a life vest. So, I am not going to die like how I normally would have. The Lord gave me a life vest. And we have a responsibility to go to someone now and to begin to pass this life vest. Shami, come here. Don't go anywhere. I want to I give you life. <laughs> so, I pass it to Shami. It's up to Shami now to decide how he's going to put this on. So this is a life vest that, put it on, please. <laughs> Work with me. This is, this, is, this is the message of life that I now walk across to someone. And that can come in the form of a prophetic word. That can come in the form of you and I praying for someone that can come in the form of just connecting with this person. So what does it mean? It means develop a friendship. So you go out and you overhear, you listen to what, like what Rachel was listening to. And then you now develop a friendship, right? So in developing the friendship, 
then you and I begin to have this in the back of our minds. I've, I've got this life. Best Lord, you've given this to me. Why am I holding on to it whilst people are sinking and drowning? Why don't I throw to them this life vest? And the only way I can is to get out there. What has COVID done to us? Caused us to isolate. So we've been isolating. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to push us back into our corners. And Jesus is saying, go. And you know, I've said this before. Two-thirds of God's name is go. And the, the third letter, D, means do. Go do. Right? So, this is it. So, to be empowered to go beyond the level of methodology to the level of habit, and this is what it is, so that missional ways of church become the routine results. So, what we're doing, what you're hearing becomes routine. It becomes a habit for us. It's become more a habit for us to have our fellowship and to look in and to begin to critique everything that goes on as opposed to go out and overhear and translate and connect and empower. In overhearing, we came up with Hasa Academy. In overhearing, we came up with Casey Love the City. In overhearing, we came up with starting these childcare centers. In overhearing, we decided to take a step of faith and plant a church. In overhearing, you would have done so many different things. Connecting and empowering. So this is how it is. Gosh, 12 or 6, okay. So we overhear, translate, connect, empower. I'm going to invite Rachel, why don't you come up? Missional communities refuse to make assumptions about the particular culture that they are situated in. We don't make assumptions, right? But are ever aware and of and rediscovering it so the message of the kingdom can connect. And if you search Luke chapter 10, verse 3, and John 17, verse 15, you begin to really connect. Hallelujah. And so that is the overhearing aspect, the connecting. This is our missional position that faithful missional communities let the Spirit create links that hold saints together in mission. That's what you're hearing. You've heard Rachel share that. That vital vitally connect sojourners. That means people who are on a journey. There are so many that are out there on a journey, right? With the body of Christ. So every Christian, I love what David Daryl Gruda said, says, every Christian community should see itself as a community of missionaries. Like, you know, we say, oh, we've got intercessors, so they intercede. No, we're all called to intercede. Some may have a greater gift, but we are all called to stand in the gap. So we're all called to do the work of missions, but some will be missionaries. We're all called to pastor, but some will be called to be in the office of a pastor. Hallelujah. So translating is good newsing. So translating is about movement. Translating is about being bicultural, understanding that person's culture, understanding mine, you know. Translating is about critiquing. So I need to critique the situation. I need to critique my lack of uh, compassion 
oh, this, these, you know, I, I can't reach them. They wouldn't do well in our church. So that's what translating is. Translating is about identification. So identifying that need, then I translate the gospel. And lastly, to empower, to unmoor, sharing power, removing obstacles. How can we remove obstacles for people to come to really know the Lord? So removing obstacles is this faithful missional communities are led by leaders who radically model and empower those they lead to be missional and who constantly remove obstacles standing in the way of would-be missionary Christians. That's who we are. Let's say this together. We are missional. We are a missional community. And I am a missionary to the lost. Amen. Rachel, please come and share with us. So we're going to, she's going to share with us, um, actually before she shares with us, let's, let, let, let us take you into, let us take you into communion. If we can pass the communion emblems, um, if it's not already passed, then can we have the ushers just pass the com, uh, communi uh, communion emblems. Why don't you explain the activation process? No worries. So um, there, um, in terms of what we're inviting you to consider after the service, we're wanting to go, um, we're wanting to go to Fountain Gate and we'll meet in the food court and then as people feel led, um, you can go and pray for people. So as you were hearing um, some of the stories that Pastor Larry and myself share today, um, we're going to go into a time after the service, a time of prayer, and we're just going to wait on the Lord, like, Holy Spirit, what work do you have for us to do? Uh, we're just going to wait on Him the way that you would if you were going to share a prophetic word with a friend next to you. We're doing the same thing, but we're asking the Lord, okay, for a prophetic word for someone at Fountain Gate. Um, the Lord might show you a location. He might show you a colour. Um, but be encouraged, even if you don't receive anything, please come. Because sometimes, like the story I shared, we were, just, we were in the park and then that's when the Holy Spirit, you know, put it on our heart for this woman to, to chat to her. So please don't feel discouraged if you don't get anything automatically. And even just taking that step of, um, of just being in the space and listening to the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is already there. The Holy Spirit wants for people to realise that they are not forgotten by God, um, but they are loved by God. Um, and so... So the times that we've said, um, or whether I've been with CJ and we've just said, okay, God, we have half an hour, just use us. He's always had an appointment already set up for us. So the Lord knew that, that this was on our heart for today. And so he's already set up appointments for, for each and every one of you. Um, so there's no obligation. We, we invite you. We invite you to stay with us. But um, I really felt like the Lord is, is calling us. He's, he's calling us on. And the, the theme that really came out today um, which uh, the theme that came out today of of that there'd been pe people in some situations that, that were hard, that they needed the Lord to fight for them. As I was praying for everyone this week, I just really felt like the Lord was wanting us to, to leave our grief and our sorrows at the foot of the cross. We know Jesus has worked it out. We know that Jesus once and for all died and he worked that out. So we leave it, we leave it and we say, Jesus, we're not giving up, we're giving it to you. We're nailing it to the cross in Jesus' name. And we're going to come and follow you. We're going to come and get on 
get on with the work that you have modelled for us to do of praying for healing, of seeing deliverance, of seeing people set free. Um, I felt like there was another group of people who had all good motivations and they'd been loving their families and, and just gotten busy with life and with work. And the Lord was calling to you again today, come and follow me, come and follow me. Um, and so, yeah, just as we're reflecting in this communion time, um, this is, this is, he is our answer. Jesus is our answer. And we can share that with people soon. Thank you. Thanks so much, Rachel. Rachel, here you go. Thank you. So we want to seal this time with partaking of communion. But today, what I want us to do in terms of communion is turn to those around you. Just form some groups like that, right? Let's begin to apply that today in terms of walking across. Just do communion with three or four or five or six, whatever it is. And then, and, and, and then just, just pray for what you've heard today. If you are not comfortable in praying aloud, that's okay. That's okay. Let those who feel more comfortable just pray. You know, and uh, maybe if, if, if your leaders uh, spread yourselves around to others and Brian as well, I can invite you guys. And for those at the back there, feel free to go out to any of the groups or maybe you all can form a group there, you know, that's fine. So let's, let's begin to pray, pray that and take a couple of minutes just to do communion right now. Amen. Thank you, Father, for giving us your body and your blood, Lord. We bless you. Today, as we partake of communion, as, as each one, take some time now and partake and remember that we will remember why we go out there because your body was broken, your blood was shed for those who are yet to know Christ, who are yet to know you. And we thank you. You've given us this life jacket to be able to pass on to someone else. So Lord, seal this in us. Let everyone who are partaking right now, Father, as they are praying, and as they're considering this, release a strength and an anointing and break the yoke of any heaviness, and in particular, all of what Rachel has said today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Just feel free to lead. Whoever is in the group, just feel free to lead. For those of you who are joining us online, I also want to encourage you as you partake of communion that the Lord's going to release this grace that he's releasing over everyone that's here, that he's bringing to mind someone that you need to walk across the room to. Amen. We sang the song earlier, when he walks into the room, things begin to change because he's the resurrection power and you and I carry that. So when you walk into a space you're bringing Jesus into that space and something will change and shift. Amen. Thank you, Lord.
for those of you who are joining us online, we want to bless you this morning and we want to, and we, we pray this prayer that his face will continue to shine upon you. And, and God's going to, he's going to open doors for you this week. Whether it's through one of those phone calls that you get from Amazon Prime or NBN or whoever, or someone that he might encourage you to go and connect with, that he's going he's gonna to lead you. That being missional becomes more a habit. Hallelujah. So God bless you and may his face continue to shine upon you. May the grace of God empower you in the name of Jesus. Please do join us if you can in person. We'd love to see you. Amen.